0: What happens when the themes from classical art merge like an explosion with vibrant and colorful surrealism? Well, today we're finding out from Okuda San Miguel himself. That's right, Okuda is on the show today. Welcome to The Cultured Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Corey, and together we'll journey into the unknown reaches of the art world.
1: These, these shoes and this apron. apron,
0: that place and its patrons, have taken more than I gave them. It's not easy to know, not anything, like I used to be, it's true, it was mm-hmm. never tensions sweet center i still remember that girl oh hello my babies okay so why in the hell did i start this recording off by <laughs> by singing to a broadway musical well that is because that is my inspiration for this week this is a crazy time, y'all. We have been releasing episodes of Cultured that we recorded months ago and that we already had edited and ready to roll. And so this is the first opportunity that I am getting to sit down with you and just say, wow, like, holy crap. <laughs> I want to know how you're doing. I'm I'm really curious to see how everyone's doing. I think like the general consensus is that we're all taking this one day at a time that every single day has its highs and its lows, sometimes minute by minute. If we're lucky, it's week by week, but we're certainly all doing the best that we can right now. And I'm excited for this really special episode that we have here with Okuda San Miguel, who is one of the most famous street artist in the world. And right now I've been following him on social and he's been doing some really cool things with his quarantine time, like developing Okuda masks on Instagram and finishing up on paintings and planning new murals and paintings. And that's kind of all we can do right now is make the most of our time in isolation. And whether that for you means... Embracing it as an opportunity to release some feelings, some anxieties that come up or observe the fears that come up, or if that means that you're busier than ever with work and so you're producing a lot. Whatever it means for you, it's a special time, and it's also special in terms of how unique it is for most of us who've been alive. But that's not what's inspiring me this week. That's mostly just what's consuming me (laughs) every day. I had to wait to record this intro for you guys because I wanted to record it from the right energy. And I had a couple really rough weeks there where I was just emoting a lot and I felt like my heart chakra was just cracking open and it was super uncomfortable and super emotional. And I just kept facing a lot of very deep things that I haven't Faced because I've been so busy. I'm the kind of person who goes into overactive mode. So I was doing, 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 and making sure my business was okay, and making sure everyone around me was okay, and making sure I was, I guess, okay, but doing not the best job of that latter part. And so really sinking into those icky feelings and observing them, feeling them, letting them cycle out. And then this week that I'm recording this intro is the last week of April, first week of May of 2020. And I just feel so much higher vibration. I feel happier. I feel a general sense of joy. Like I said, it can be week by week, right? So I'm embracing this time. I'm sitting down and I'm recording this because I'm finally there where I feel really positive. And so that's an interesting differentiator because it's not that I feel positive because I'm repressing or avoiding. That's really important. We shouldn't repress or avoid at this point, but rather just face everything head on and you're isolated at home. So it's the perfect opportunity to do so if I might say, my- so off. But what's inspiring me this week is actually something that came about as a tool for processing emotion during heavy periods and I've just like kept it going and basically when I feel like something might be rearing its head for me to feel, I've started listening to Broadway musicals before bed. And I think it's so powerful with Broadway musicals in particular because they are so emotive, and because it's always like every emotion is represented. And magnified times 10. And so sadness is deep, dramatic sadness and anger is resonant fury. You know, it's like rage, but bellowing on high. And I just like allow myself to feel through the feelings of the Broadway musicals. It's actually been really effective tool for someone like me who can be so guarded to just like sink into whatever I'm feeling. And it's also funny because whatever is meant to come up is that emotion I'm specifically resonating with. So that's what's inspiring me is the power of music and musicals in particular, and using those as a tool to express whatever it is you're feeling. I'm super connecting, especially to this one song from Waitress the Musical, and it's a part of Sarah Borellis' album. It's She Used to Be Mine. And it really reminds me of the grieving process a lot of people are going through right now. And, and I think we're all grieving because we are letting something go forever. We are closing a chapter as a society. And I don't think we're ever gonna go back to the way that we were. And in fact, I hope that we never do go back to the way that we were. I hope that we do... Mourn and grieve whatever it is we're leaving behind so that we can truly leave it in the past. Because I think that this is an extraordinary time that presents an extraordinary opportunity to move forward as a society and to learn from our many, many errors and to heal collectively together and to love stronger and to be more unconditional and kind and caring with one another and to be more tolerant. And so what I hope is that we are, in fact, all grieving the former versions of ourselves that are riddled with trauma or that are controlled by our inner children or our egos and to mourn the society that we once had that was defined in its worth by monetary and material things and that is divisive rather than unified. So this song, She Used to Be Mine, just reminds me of the Michelle that used to exist and and the fact that I'm a very different Michelle today than I was even 2 months ago. We are in a state of metamorphosis right now and that is an extremely uncomfortable very exciting thing. So that's it. That's what I wanted to tell you and I'm so glad I'm in the energy to do so. I love you guys. I really hope you're well. If you need support if you need to just vent to someone, you know you have me and you can message me. You can email me, info at culturedpodcast.com. I'm the one who runs our social account on Instagram. So you can go to Cultured Podcast on Instagram and DM me there and we can talk because this is a time when unity and leaning on one another is more important than ever before. From my heart to yours, I hope you're doing well. I love you. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And without further ado, here is Okuda. Hi, Okuda. Welcome to the Cultured Podcast.
1: Thanks. Hi.
0: So, I'm very excited to talk to you today because you're kind of a big deal.
1: Mm, Thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know it's weird to hear that you're a big deal when you're the big deal, but it's true. And it's particularly true because you're a huge inspiration to both artists and entrepreneurs or those who are seeking to create a creative business of their own. But before we get into that, why don't we just go ahead and level set? Tell us who you are and what your art form is.
1: Yeah, I am an artist from the north of Spain, but in Madrid. I started to live in Madrid 20 years ago and start to have a big studio like almost three years. Uh, now we are like 20 people uh, working in my studio and just start in the streets. And My art came from the street and from my career.
0: So how would you describe your
1: art? Uh, surrealistic uh, compositions that bring some muses and some characters from the Renaissance or from classic mm-hmm. art. I mix like digital language with the geometry, with all uh, cultures uh, with the patterns, you know. Mm-hmm. And I try to to mix patterns from the past and from now, you know, like mm-hmm. big brands uh, mixing with the ethnic or Indian fabrics, you know.
0: So, just to describe a little bit more, super colorful, and then a lot of geometric shapes. But I love that you talked about that, the Renaissance influence. So did you study classical fine art? And is that where this inspiration comes from?
1: Yeah, I think my experience came from my academic season uh, when I discovered surrealism, like Magritte, like Dali, like the Bosque, like Max Ernst. I get inspiration from this art and from the art from the old cultures, you know, like Indian art and these kind of things. It's like a mix between contemporary art and old art, you know.
0: Is that desire to mix different cultures and art forms, is that representative or symbolic in any way?
1: Yeah, because the symbolism and because the aesthetic. Because Picasso came back to the covers, you know, to the prehistoric art Mm -hmm. in his art too, you know. It's like modern art came back to the start, you Mm -hmm. know, to the beginning. And me can be the same, you know.
0: That's beautiful. And are there any classical depictions that you tend to go back to over and over again?
1: the uh, spirituality with the animals and with uh, with the gods and with the religions and yeah I like to talk about these things you know and the meaning of life and and the universal concepts like love like freedom like peace that still has the spirituality you know with these things with the nature and with our roots you know.
0: Absolutely and so do you know what the meaning of life is? (laughs)
1: I don't know. I think nobody knows. But uh, I I like to show like opposite concepts that invite the people to the reflections of uh, universal concepts, like I told you. Uh, But I I don't like to to say like the answer of something, you know, of the typical meaning of life questions, you know. Of course, nobody has it. That's why I I, I have the art, you know. It's like my way to be close to the spirituality is the art, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like... Kind of my religion.
0: That's beautiful. I mean, the art that you produce is so far beyond what I think uh, most people have experienced. So let's talk about the bigness of your art, because it is certainly enormous what you've been able to accomplish. So you have taken over actual towns with your art, you know, and and created festivals with your art. How did you get to the point where you were creating whole festivals and events, like a whole new world through your art?
1: Uh, I think it's the magic of internet. That's why I start to grow up and grow up. I start to do things in the streets, but for nothing. You know, I, mm-hmm. I never thought that can be... At this point, like now, you know, it's like right. at the end, for me, the most important to to do art is uh, like my psychology, you know, is to be happy yes. because creating, you know, because you have the faster feedback with with the public, you know, right. at the same time that you are working, you know, the typical artists that work in the studio don't don't feel that thing, you know, mm-hmm. and don't leave that thing. And I think it's super nice how in the working of the creation, uh, you can talk with totally different people, you know.
0: Well, the thing is, a lot of artists have taken to Instagram to use it as a tool to, you know, grow their audiences and things like that. But it takes a special kind of, number one, energy and stamina and also vision to then translate those opportunities into the things that you've translated them into. So the festivals and the fairs and talk to us a little bit about the first major event you did where you brought your art to life beyond a canvas into sculptural work and what that felt like for you.
1: Yeah, I think the first uh, big creation on the public space that I did maybe was the the church I did in the north of Spain. Mm. But the funny thing is the first uh, and the only one work that I did by myself. Because I found this incredible place. I wanted to do it, you know, and just talk with the people that, with the owners, and just told me, okay, let's, let's do it, but we don't have money, you know. Because the internet, we get the money to do it, you know. Because the crowdfunding, because the Instagram, and because the power of communication that you have when you are artists like, like me now, you know.
0: How did it feel to step back after completing that church that you painted? How how did it feel to see your work on that scale?
1: With the church was uh, the first moment that I feel that I did something really big, you know, Mm. because the contrast with the architecture with the classic architecture, uh, with the skateboarding uh, place, and with the contemporary painting by me, you know? It's kind of opposite worlds at the same time, you know? like yes. Like a digital and modern language with the classic uh, architecture, you know? Totally. And this contrast for me was like a point, you know, like a change in my career. And I start to try to find... Places like this, you know, that's why I I did two churches, one in Morocco and one in in USA in Denver, and another castle in in France, you know. And I think these kind of pieces for me are the best because wow. this contrast, you know. Because I did a lot of flat walls, you know, and at the end it's kind of the same like working the studio on canvas, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you cover all the architecture. Is like next level, do you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah, it's definitely next level. <laughs> so what's the biggest undertaking you've ever taken on? What's the biggest project you've ever taken on?
1: The last event we did is uh, Titanes. It's a big um, event that uh, I am the curator, and I bring some international artists like Naichos, like uh, a bicicleta, like super big names, mm-hmm. and bring to Spain to do abandoned silos, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like a super big scale buildings that don't have life and, and don't use for nothing, and now it's start like a new life for them you know at the end it's like i come back to my beginning because i start to paint on abandoned uh, factories places that for the people is nothing but for me are like the best me and my team are, are doing a lot of different things. Uh, we have a partner, that uh, the name is Ro. They are like techno, electronic music parties in the world. They do around 250 parties in the world. They build a lot of sculptures and a lot of artworks to invite the people. And that's why I fall in love with this family and with this agency. And I start to work with them and we create Chaos Garden. And we will be in around 10 different countries. Uh, yeah.
0: I went to Chaos Garden and it was so much fun and it really was like walking into an Okuda Garden of Eden and there's Uh just like animals everywhere and then you had like everyone parading out in their outfits and that's what I'm curious about is that you, I mean your first love really is, it sounds like, the act of painting. That's your first love. Yeah, I think so. But these events, that's why I find it so fascinating. They take a lot of work to create. So there has yeah. to be a love and a passion for that somewhere, right?
1: Yes, yes. yes. And for me, the best is to go to a different or a new country each mm. year, you know? Yes. To discover new culture, a new new country, and put part of my heart and part of my art there, you know? yeah. At the end, the idea is to go to every country in the world, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I—I I don't doubt that you're gonna do that. Like that's the thing is, you're someone who <laughs> seems to envision something and make it happen. And so, how many people are on your team right now?
1: Yeah, around twenty people.
0: Twenty people.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's why I'm super, super focused on decoration.
0: Well, that's good. You have 20 people yeah. so that you can be focused on that because
1: yes, without that, yes. then
0: then what are you doing, right? I think that's actually a really good lesson for entrepreneurs and artists in general is to not get caught up in not yeah. to lose your focus and not to get too distracted in the act yes, of, of yes. building something and evolving. So yeah. how do you keep yourself focused? How do you really maintain that center in your work?
1: Yeah, I'm super focused in my work because I have a big team that that do the boring work, you know, like the <laughs> mails and the press and everything that I don't want to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm super, super focused on on creating, uh, 24 hours, seven days per week. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> sounds like an artist. So your mom right now is actually helping you. I think your yeah. mom and your sister.
1: Yes, yes, both of them.
0: Oh my God. So talk to us about the embroidery project, because I've been following that for a minute on Instagram and I'm so curious about how it came to be. Give us some background that your mom is helping with embroidery and how it happened.
1: Both of those ones I never did it before. I came back to my mom's house and just discovered uh, like a rectangle that she did with bull. And I asked her, ah, but you know, to do that, okay, uh, let's try in a canvas. And I started to, to sketch something and uh, we create like a bull palette, like around 80 colors, different colors. Mm. And I just put uh, the numbers in each triangle and I start to travel and I keep uh, super connecting with my mom because doing that, you know. Mm -hmm. Now I feel I am closer to my mom, but really I am more far away from my mom, you know, because I travel. But with the internet and everything, we are super, super close now, you know.
0: Oh my God. And now you're working together. That's such a nice connection point, you know? Totally,
1: totally. And
0: she gets to do something really creative, which is fulfilling, I yeah, imagine. Yeah.
1: The most important is like my mom at the end is part of my soul, and part of my art, more part of me, you know? And She feel like she found her passion with 65 years old, you know?
0: Yes. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, Okuda. Wow. <laughs> speaking of color palettes do you use the same because all of your pieces have a similar look and you can yep. spot nokuda from 50 feet away so do you have the same palette that you go back to
1: never have the same palette depend of where I am and, and the brands that they that the organization give me or or the technique that we use with embroidery we have around. 80 uh, different colors that we found in bull, But with spray paint, I have like 100 and a half, you know? Uh. And always is different Mm -hmm. because all brands are different. But uh, the most important is that I need to use all colors, all different colors in the chromatic circle, but always with a perfect balance with black and white. You -hmm. know, that's the most important.
0: Well, you have a very specific style. How did you come to that point in your style and find your voice as an artist?
1: Yeah, I think I started to find my own language around maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. When I started with the project I Am, Income Movement, uh, we started to do like a world tour with uh, the artist Nano 48. And yeah, we started to travel around the world and did some galleries. And was like the first artwork that I did in the studio, like serious, you know. Because before was more in the street, but not really serious in the in the in the studio, you know. And was the beginning of of the agency that my managers have, you know, at the same time. Wow, so it
0: all came to be at the same time?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. That's amazing. I start to grow up at the same time. Yeah. And I start to to have my own language at this time, you know.
0: So What I find so astounding is that your art form has taken on so many different kinds of canvases and and forms. What are all of the different forms your art has taken? So for instance, uh, painting, polymer, sculpture, embroidery.
1: Now I am super focused on paintings, sculptures, and embroideries, mm-hmm. and sometimes uh, I do like a very own um, artwork uh, with photography. You know, I try to bring out uh, the my characters from the paintings uh, to the reality, and now I want to introduce me in uh, animation and maybe in cinema.
0: Oh my and God! I would like to
1: to grow up my sculptures in a architecture way you know I would love to do like a big animal head or big animal or big uh, geometric uh, composition by me like a big scale and you maybe the people can live inside or you know oh my or gosh, can do like yes. a, can be like a gallery or something like that you know that's oh, that's yes. the way that I want to, to, to get
0: I love that I love the idea of animation with your work. That's amazing. So your sculptors, what are they made out of?
1: Normally, the sculptures are fiberglass, mm. uh, but if it's for the streets, it's it's a stronger fiberglass with a metallic uh, system inside. You know, it depends of where they are. You know.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the process for fiberglass?
1: All sculptures, the process is the same. I do the sketch with my team here, with two uh, 3D builders that I have, and they do uh, the perfect 3D on the computer. We send this uh, file to another studio, and they uh, do like uh, the mold. After they do the piece, that they bring back the piece to us, and we paint the piece, and after we send to the world, you know?
0: Oh my God, having that team is so important.
1: Yeah, if you want to do big things, of course.
0: You you can't do them alone. I I don't think a lot of people understand that. Like, I think a lot of artists are criticized for having teams of people who help them create. And it's like, well, what do you expect? You can't do that alone. Do you ever receive that kind of criticism?
1: I don't care about the critics or, or, or you know, or the comments because normally I don't see the comments on internet. I don't spend time on that things, you know. Uh-huh. I don't care. Normally it's a uh, good feedback because if not, uh, never do that like this, you know.
0: Yes, right. That's the only
1: way. And all the people that come to to my team was like a natural step, you know, mm-hmm. like never, never try to find. These people, it's like part of the family, but yeah. it's like they come to us because we need it something magnetic or I don't know. <laughs>
0: Without a doubt. We're all magnetic. I mean, literally, <laughs> we're just big magnets. So you mentioned your characters and you certainly have a set of characters that seem to appear often. Can you tell us about who those characters are and what they represent for you?
1: I tried to create animals and humans and creators that mix animals and humans, you know, and like metamorphosis between animal and humans. The humans came from the Renaissance and from classic art and I try to translate to my uh, language, you know. Normally, they have like uh, animal heads, but sometimes uh, directly are people that I love, uh, like FAKA, music uh, group from South Africa, like Tom York, like Public Enemy, like um, different, you know, or or like friends of mine, you know. Mm
0: -hmm. And I do also notice that you have... Um, the recurring theme of the Garden of Eden in your work. Is there something about the Garden of Eden and that story that inspires
1: you? I think uh, this artwork is my favorite in the art history. And it's in a museum super close to my house. And it's like sometimes I go just to see this artwork and come back.
0: You know? Oh my God, Um For wow. me, it's
1: super, super amazing because Cave Garden uh, with a row is uh, an interpretation of that artwork too, you know. I would love to do like 11 interpretations of that artwork and to bring all of those ones to Museo del Prado, you know, because it's the same museum that have uh, the original artwork. Mm. You
0: know? What's the museum's name?
1: The name is Museo del Prado.
0: Museo del Prado, okay. And that's sí. in Madrid?
1: Sí, that's in Madrid. hmm
0: What is it about that painting that keeps drawing you in?
1: Yeah, why? Because I think it's the first surrealistic piece, but 500 years before the surrealism, Mm, you know? Wow, That's the the incredible thing, you know?
0: Oh, wow. That, I mean, that's really inspiring. Okay, so where can the cultured crew find you online? Where should they go?
1: I invite every people to follow my Instagram because I use my Instagram and my diary. I put all my news, all my projects, everything, and I use stories to to talk about my life, you know, Mm -hmm. every day.
0: And it's Okuda Art,
1: is it? Yeah, it's Okuda San Miguel, or O-K-U-D-A-R-T, Okuda Art.
0: Okuda Art, mm-hmm. And any other place we should find you
1: or go? Yeah, I have my new uh, website that the name is OkudaSanMiguel.com. dot com, and we have like a world map, and we have the points uh, where I have uh, interventions in the world. You know, maybe oh, that's awesome. the people that like to do the selfies can follow me in the world, <laughs> on my walls in the world. You know, with my uh, website. You know.
0: Um, yes, that's awesome. I'm gonna be one yeah. of those people doing selfies, so yes, I'll tag that's you. Nice. <laughs> super fun. Okay, well, thank you so much for being with us today on the Cultured Podcast, Okuda.
1: Thank you. Peace and love to everyone.
0: My, my, my. No wonder Okuda's paintings are so colorful. He is an incredibly vibrant spirit and by the way, Bebez, I would love to hear if you have any suggestions. I want to hear about it. Email me at info at or you can DM me on Cultured Podcast Instagram account. I obviously want to know what you love and what you don't necessarily resonate with. In the meantime, you know what to do, my Bibbles. Keep it classy. Keep it curious. Keep It Cultured! Visit CulturedPodcast.com for show notes and subscription links. The Cultured Podcast is a production of my podcast production company, Frequency Media. I'm the host, Michelle Corey. Ina Garkusha is our fabulous producer. Becca Godwin is our wonderful associate producer. And we're recording in Atlanta, Georgia.